Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, August 11th, 2016, so we're talking about energy, materials, and industrials. I am joined in studio by The Motley Fool's one and only Taylor Muckerman. What's up, man? Hanging in there, ready for 7.30 tonight. Yeah, so uh, you're rocking your jersey. Why are you uh, all excited? Deck- well, they're, they're playing in Baltimore, first preseason game of the year. The Carolina Panthers are. Are you driving up? Nah. No. Yeah, starters are only going to play maybe a few few series. So my uh, my hometown team, the one and only Cleveland Indians, were in DC this week. Did you go playing the Nationals? No, but I was like following them on my phone. <laughs> Near and dear to your heart. Yeah. Um, How'd that turn out for you? The series. Uh, you know, I don't know how the third game went, but I think the, the Tribe won the first one. Pretty sure the Nationals won the second. Is that right, Austin? No. Oh wow, we're crushing them. Oh, this okay. Is awesome. So. Two out of three, then at least. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Two out of three. Austin says. I'm. I'm really just excited for September, October, because the the first ranked team in each region is about fifty seven to fifty nine wins. And do I'm, they add LeBron to their playoff roster? They could. Did you? He played football and like crushed yeah. it in, in his high school team. He too. could be. Uh, yeah. He could play baseball. Be a pinch runner or something. He could. He could pull a Michael Jordan and play outfield. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, so uh, it's earnings season across the stock market. Yeah. Um, so I did want to mention a few companies within our uh, uh, our own little sectors here. Mm-hmm. Um, EOG Resources just rep- uh, reported. Yeah. Um, reported a loss. Yeah, they basically broke even, I guess, in the same yeah. period last year, and then they lost two hundred ninety-two point six million, fifty-three cents a share. Revenue way down twenty-eight percent to one point seven eight billion. Um, the two interesting things that I wanted to get your thoughts on: um, they talked about asset sales so far this year, four hundred twenty-five million. Yeah. This isn't always going to be true, but aren't the strong players, which is supposedly EOG is one of them, supposed to be buying things, not selling them? Like, what's the dynamic there? Well, so what EOG's been doing is kind of assessing their portfolio of of drillable assets and trying to quantify which ones are those premium assets, where they can think they can get a thirty percent return at fifty dollars a barrel, um, or even higher than that as oil prices increase. At least fifty. Yeah, yeah, at least fifty dollars a barrel. So um, I think what those asset sales are doing is basically just saying we're probably never going to focus on these based on what we have in mm-hmm. our portfolio. <clears throat> so let's go out and just raise some cash so that when oil does maybe rebound because we've yeah. saw, we saw it rebound to 50 and now it's back down closer to the high 30s very low 40s right now um, so maybe it's just them saying we've got our premium assets and which these premium wells I think they increased from 3200 premium drilling locations before the quarter and during the quarterly announcement they said that that's now up to 4300 so that's a 75 yeah. that's increase. a big jump yeah yeah so I think that they're they've got a few decades now of Premium locations um, that they can put this 425 yeah. million to work on. I don't. Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if I understand you correctly, they have just so many good wells mm-hmm. in the Eagleford, and you know they're primarily in Eagleford. But yeah. um, they have they have X dollars, yep. so many good options. They're like, we don't need this other stuff. Yeah, that's right. And and to go back to what I was just said, that's 30 percent return at 40 dollars a barrel of oil oh, wow. for these premium locations. Yeah. So that's 30 percent return right, right now if they decided to drill these increases up. And um, they're looking at 10 percent production increases if oil is at 50 dollars yeah, so a barrel. Yeah, so that was the other cool thing in the report that I wanted to mention. Um, they 
they're planning on $50 oil yeah. just for all their plans. There's like, we don't know what's going to happen, which is some companies are more vocal as we've seen. Mm-hmm. And this is out to like 2020. So yeah. I think 50 might be conservative out, yeah. to, out the next four years. But for this, the rest of this year in 2017, that might be spot on. Right. Um, so they, and they talked about how, and I guess this is why the stock surged after the report, but the company said that it expects well completions this year to uh, more than top their previous guidance of 270, and it's going to be 350 wells are going to get completed. Mm-hmm. And uh, they think that uh, they can grow production at 10% per year through 2020 at $50 oil. Yeah, and 20% and, at $60 oil. That's. So. Did you like that? Like <laughs> I do like that, uh, and uh, you know, it's coming from one of the best producers in the world. Right. Uh, granted, they're pretty much only in the United States, but I'm sure if you took them elsewhere mm-hmm. and just plopped them down in a shale field, they'd figure it out and be the best in that area as well um, over time. And so, I, I don't think every company in the business is going to have the same metrics to throw out there if oil's mm-hmm. at fifty dollars a barrel. But uh, you know, from EOG's perspective. I'm confident that what they say they're going to do because they never really go out and overextend themselves in terms of either guidance or performance. So I think that we investors should feel good about that. Do you? Um, they're not the only um, low cost shale producer to um, talk about upping production yeah. like now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the other one that caught my eye was, of course, Continental Resources. Good old Harold Ham. Yeah, um, the Bakken. Yeah, he's he's. Uh, yeah, God bless that man. Um, do you? How do you feel about them just upping production like this? Because I'm just like, why not just leave it in the ground and wait for higher prices? Like, what's the calculation that they make there? Well, a they have to keep the lights on. And they have right. debt to service, so they need to produce at least that much oil. Um, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to you don't want to lose market share. You don't want to not produce and then have your customers turn elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, your downstream customers. So. I think that when you're talking about EOG and Continental and Pioneer Natural Resources itself said that at $55 a barrel, it's looking at 15% production growth um, for the next few years. So you're seeing the bigger names with a lot of diversified assets within the United States saying, hey, we're ready to now continue business as usual for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't see a problem with that. Yeah, you might forfeit some future growth, but at the same time, you don't know if oil is going to be at forty dollars next year. While it's you know, so you're going to have to continue to challenge your people to drill and produce at low oil prices, hoping that oil prices rise. And and again, you have to keep the lights on. Yeah, the energy industry is very uh, reliant on debt markets, and it's they need cash flow. Got it. So uh, we've been uh, talking a, a lot about uh, the travails of the oil and gas industry over the last uh, I don't know 18, 19, 20 months mm-hmm. now. Um, but apparently it is not all bad. Um, came across this article in the Wall Street Journal about Parsley Energy, um, New York Stock Exchange PE that I want to talk about because it's a it's a happy story. Yeah. Taylor. This is a positive, happy story okay, that's going on. Let's hear it. I don't know. Well, so is production increases. Yeah, I mean, eh, kind of. I don't know. Um, they're grown, I guess. So. Um, so these guys are more than uh, uh, increasing production. Um, only been trading since May 2014. They had an IPO to help pay down their debt. Um, it is now reaching all-time eyes and has solidified its founder, 38-year-old Brian Sheffield, uh, his status as a billionaire. Whew. The energy industry minted a brand new billionaire in the last two years. 
I I don't know. I was like, wow. Um, so that uh, that last name Sheffield, does that sound familiar to you? Uh, no, I don't think it so. It is his dad is the current chairman of drumroll please. Okay, Pioneer Natural Resources. Okay, so he's got some uh, legacy. He's here. he's a third generation wildcatter. Yeah, basically. Um, what's interesting in the article it talked about how his dad always harped on him about uh, his debt. His mm-hmm. debt load, and so they'd like see him at Christmas and be like, "So, how's your leverage, son?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the interesting thing is, um, this is actually what I really wanted to talk about. Parsley is per- it, it's primarily based in the Permian Basin of yes. West Texas, up there in uh, Oklahoma. Um, so is Pioneer. So he's competing with his dad mm-hmm. for leases and stuff. I mean, you tell me. Um, why is everybody? All I've heard for the last year is Permian, 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 Permian. They're not talking about the dinosaurs. So. No. <laughs> what, well, in some the, way they are because a little bit, apparently yeah. oil came from dinosaurs, Supposedly. Right? Yeah. It's mostly algae, right? Mostly yeah. algae and whatnot. Um, but uh, why is the Permian so great? Um, because, well, A, it's relatively new compared to the Bakken and the Eagle Ford in terms of drillers rushing towards it. Okay. But it's also... Multiple, we call it a stacked play. So there's multiple shale plays stacked on top of each other. And that's not the case in it southern is, Texas it, with Eagle Ford, or to some degree. But the Permian okay. is a, is a deeper field for the most part, and um, it also is projected to have tremendous reserves. And when you look at it, it's the largest production by per barrel uh, per day of any field in the United States for oil, and it's um, it's second in gas. So it's wow. producing both at very is high Is Marcellus levels. top for gas? Marcellus is yeah. more than double, almost triple oh my the gosh. Permian in terms of gas. Because um, they've been hitting that for 15 years. Yeah, with, but yeah. Marcellus has next to zero oil. Got whereas it. the Permian is offering that almost one-for-one blend um, right. in terms of being the leading oil-producing region and the second leading gas-producing region. So um, there, there's a lot more for investors maybe to be cheery about because there's some diversification in terms of what you might be drilling what you're for getting, yeah. and um, if the reserve calculations are correct there's mm-hmm. a very long time timeline for this field depending on where you're drilling obviously it's a huge field so not everyone's going to have the same timeline but the prospects for having decades worth of oil and gas to drill for are there in this field gotcha cool okay um so uh <sighs> I can't believe how well the stock's been doing. Um, I want to really get your. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on Silver Wheat. Oh, oh, Silver Wheat. Yeah, yeah. The thing I, I have not forgotten that it was your like number one pick last year when we did the little stock picking thing. Yeah, crushed um, it. This thing's like what two hundred percent or something. Like, yeah. Okay. Um, why they've been doing so well and how are their recent earnings? Well, you've seen yeah, they're doing so well because you've seen prices of silver and gold right. rally a little bit. Um, so obviously, um, it sold off. Pretty tremendously. Um, it, you didn't I, like them because you saw oil, silver prices increasing, though. They're a good producer, is what you liked, right? Well, well, they're not even a producer. They just they they're a streamer. So they they pay uh, base metal mines, miners that are producing um, lead, zinc, um, iron ore. These companies like Vale and mm-hmm. um, even even some Gold Corp, or you know, you look at other big base metal miners. That aren't necessarily in the business of selling silver and gold, so it's almost just like a cast off, like a byproduct for them. So silver. So these people that are going after iron ore, yeah. they get some ancillary gold or right. silver or something. And silver wheat will help finance 
the the mining and then pay basically a royalty for each ounce of gold or silver that they're given but that's a agreed upon cost up front so their their all in cost is known years in advance of what it's going to be down the road um, and it's very high margin business for them because um, they're not having to deal with operating right. these stinking mines. Yep. Like, yeah, and they sell the they sell it at market prices, and um, and so that's their business. They're the first company to really do it. They're that's the awesome. Largest streamer in the business, um, and the, and then their dividend is tied to the previous four quarters cash flow. So it's a predictable dividend increase, decrease, or or just no dividend at all. Right. So. Um, but it's it's prudent, which I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. They're not committing themselves to paying exactly. them. They theoretically can't pay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and with their production record gold sales, um, which is something that it's still a small portion of their business in terms of in terms of product, not production, but in terms of sales. But it's something that they're focusing on more intently. Uh, is is gold? Got so, it. They have had a nice rally with the prices and record sales and and solid production from the miners that they're working with. Um, and speaking of enthusiasm for gold, we're going to take a pivot a little bit here <laughs> okay. and uh, dip our toes ever so lightly into the uh, the world of politics. Um, we're going to take a look at Trump's energy platform. Um, we're going to ignore candidate preferences, and uh, we'll just be talking about the pros and cons of their stated energy policies mm-hmm. as found on their websites, I guess, or sure. speeches. Yep. And uh, we will be giving, for our listeners who are curious, uh, Hillary's plan a closer look next week mm-hmm. on the yeah, episode next on the Thursday. 18th. So, um, if you'd be so kind, Mr. Markerman, run us down uh, what Trump thinks America should do with its uh, energy policy. Well, it should cut regulations massively. That, okay. That's his word, massively, twice. Um, also, um, basically foregoing renewable energy in favor of fossil fuels, um, calling it the, the um, policy of the future, which makes me scratch my head when you talk about fossil fuels and coal in favor of renewable energy, um, because I think renewable energy is going to have a much longer future yeah. than... Say coal, and you're you're oil. not like being mean to any of our listeners that work in coal country or in the oil industry or whatever. But how much we don't we have like the planet Earth has like 30, 40, 50 years of oil left, just you know for all our needs yeah. and everything. And then what do we do? I mean, is that well, you could continue to get more efficient. You can continue to yeah, dr- but. extract more oil and natural gas and coal out of the ground. But um, when when you talk about coal. Losing jobs, coal losing demand. It's not an American problem. It's a global problem. And I don't know if it's you call it a problem if you're in the industry, but everyone else, I think, looks at it as, you know, progress. Because, and it's not just because regulation is cutting coal jobs. If you look at it, um, miners are becoming much more efficient. Go back to, let's say, let's pick a date, 1975. Annual production per miner was. Couple of times, it's, what? it's well, it, it's a quarter of what it is now. Wow! So mining has gotten that much more efficient, um, and so naturally jobs are going to decline if mm-hmm. you're upping your production per unit. So um, you're looking at peak U.S. coal production basically in 2006. It's been declining ever since then, um, and then miners have been getting more efficient. So in terms of employment, basically seeing peak coal employment in the 80s. Yeah. So you've been losing jobs for the last 30 some odd years. Well, it's now they're losing regulation. Now they're losing th- stuff on the demand side because you got China literally shuttering, I mean, yeah. all their coal electricity plant like they're trying to like Europe it's, is yeah. is waning in terms of coal demand. Um, United States is waning in terms of coal demand. So it's 
sometimes Trump, Donald Trump, tries to put things into a, a basket of just America. It's America's problem, but coal, coal and oil are globally traded. So, right. yes, you might be able to help boost some jobs, but you're. I don't think you're ever, ever, ever gonna recreate the jobs that were once in the coal industry. It's just not gonna happen. Right. Okay. Is there anything else that he uh, talked about with his plan? Um, basically, just you know, cutting cutting regulation. Is that literally like closing the EPA? Like, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> I think it would be on the table. I don't know. Um, at least in terms of anybody trying to crack down on on oil and gas and and coal, um, I don't think he's ever outright said that. But just in terms of his focus on cutting regulation, that would have to be. You, you might gain some coal jobs, but you might lose some EPA jobs. Right. Got it. Or some natural gas jobs. Who knows? Yeah, or some natural gas jobs. But then, if you look at the growth in renewable jobs, if you if you try to you know put a bottleneck on that, I don't know if you're even going to net out to to positive job growth from his from his energy plan, um, because the industry itself in coal just isn't going to support it. Whereas, if you focus more on renewable energy, you're going to have all those engineers from that industry that could possibly go work in the renewable energy energy industry. It might not you know be a seamless transition, but yeah, those jobs are going what to be about, available. Um, what about something that you know we we currently still def- definitely need, which is oil? Like, mm-hmm. do you think the oil industry would love all this stuff? Um, you know, maybe if he cuts down on like the the measures that require you on emissions or things like that while you're drilling, flaring, for instance, um, excess gas that you're producing at the well site, but. The president's only around for four years. Yeah, generally, I mean, yeah, he could go for eight, but these these energy companies, I don't. They've already been focusing so intently on cutting emissions and 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 becoming more efficient that I don't think one president's going to cause them to re- completely reverse course because things could change in, in in a second. Got it. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Taylor. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one. You too. And that is it for us, folks. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Once again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. For Taylor Markerman, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!